have that comfort and expertise in technology and analytics, you can really focus on the human side. That's my theory of the case. Welcome to Work Matters, where we explore what leaders can do to make work more productive, valuable, meaningful, and impactful. I am your host, Thomas Bertels. In this final episode of Season 4 of the Work Matters podcast, I'm talking to Dr. Anna Tavis about the future of work. Dr. Tavis is a clinical professor and chair of the Human Capital Management Department at NYU's School of Professional Studies. Prior to academia, she held senior HR leadership roles with Nokia, United Technologies, Motorola, and AIG. She is also the co-author of Humans at Work and the upcoming book, The Digital Coaching Revolution. In our discussion, we explore what the major trends are that will shape the future of work, What's the impact of AI on the workplace and society at large? How does AI change the role of the manager? And what capabilities will HR need to shape the future of work? I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Welcome to Work Matters, Anna. Nice to have you. Delighted to be here and uh, looking forward to this conversation again. What do you see as like, the major trends that will shape the future of work? So. Um, I think we're continuing to solve the issue of the relationship between technology and humans at work. That's a macro uh, horizon of where we're working today, but how organizations are going to be realigned in terms of everything from, you know, the skills that are going to be required to the organizational structure that needs to emerge to the processes that need to be built in to connect the dots between different activities. And uh, finally, what kind of culture will emerge out of this new dynamic that we're seeing um, at the intersection of, again, technology and humans. So uh, lots of, you know, macro, really existential issues to talk about, but at the same time, very, very practical, down-to-earth um, questions of what kind of skills we need, who is going to have jobs, how jobs themselves are going to be broken into the component parts, and everything that has to do with HR will need to be figured out in the next few years. Well, how do you see AI changing the workplace? Maybe we can look at what it does to the HR profession and maybe how it will might change how HR does its work, but also I think how it more fundamentally will reshape the workplace. I think fundamentally we've never had a, a technology that could mimic um, intelligence as it were. You know, we had technologies that helped us to be more efficient, uh, more productive, uh, optimize um, productivity. Um, every from the industrial revolution up to uh, November of last year, when these tools uh, have become more accessible and available at the consumer level. But I think right now we are wrestling with an idea that um, our intelligence could be augmented. We could be not only more efficient, but we also could take performance to the next level of uh, sophistication and uh, replace 
you know, a lot of the functions that currently the majority of global populations are really involved in, and that's how they earn their living. So that's why I think um, it, this particular technology is qualitatively different and uh, questions of why, you know, and how the humans are going to con continue to work are becoming from like the theoretical science fiction speculations, uh, front and center day to day conversations that we're having in all of the societies of the world, both advanced and developing economies. So huge, huge challenges and opportunities in front of us. And uh, I think we will need to solve for that dilemma. When you and I talked earlier, uh, when we connected, you also mentioned that this also opens the door to things that we didn't really have before. For example, a digital coach, right? Everybody could have a co-pilot, a digital coach at their at their fingertips. I think one of the uh, uh, words that keeps coming up when we talk about AI is democratization. Democratization of a lot of functions that used to be reserved reserved to the most senior executives, to the elite of the society, such as, you know, assistants. You know, now with the evolution of technology, we have digital assistants that can support pretty much everyone, right? So from assistants, we move into coaching. You know, can everyone get a coach? Could particular functions in the workplace be replaced by totally automated um, agents. Um, and uh, so I think that democratization presents um, a lot of challenges for the traditional, high, very hierarchical, very stratified systems that we build in our organizations. Um, if everyone has a coach and we are really going to be looking at the opportunities that are available to much greater numbers of humans, how are we going to process this in a society that regardless of whether you're in a democracy or any other structure are still based on expertise and hierarchies of seniority, etc. So I think that that is um, a big social or almost societal uh, magnitude of an issue that we need to resolve. How about people who, you know, could be completely, whose jobs could be completely replaced? And uh, what are the societal obligations um, that, you know, we have to the individuals who, are losing their jobs. There, there were solutions traditionally, if you think about it, such as unionization, um, there, there was uh, social security, unemployment uh, benefits, etc. But they were all set up for very temporary unemployment periods. But thinking about displacing uh, whole populations of um, workers, we need to be really mindful of how we are going to replace that source of income 
and what kind of society we want to live in. Again, something like interplanetary exploration is becoming more real um, in terms of, um, even though technology is not there yet, but thinking about colonizing the universe and spreading humanity across other planets, I think is becoming more of a daily conversation that we come across. Um, so I think there are lots of interesting uh, opportunities, but the point is that there's got to be a will and commitment to solve all of these problems on behalf of humans rather than on behalf of either a small minority of the elites or on behalf of the machines. Yeah, I, th I think it. Uh, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's going to require more like a right, stakeholder versus shareholder capitalism lens to come up with something that that's acceptable for people. But I also imagine that this is really a sea change for HR, right? HR people traditionally, I don't think, see themselves as in this technology space. Um, and, and there's a long history of, you know, HR being like heavily geared towards administration and, and you know, compliance and, and but that obviously that model has evolved over, over the last decades. But I think um, AI is, really changes the rules of the game. And so how does HR set itself up to be useful in the space? What capabilities do HR professionals need? Um, and, and right, how, what advice would you give like an HR leader that says, okay, AI is coming, right? How do I get ready? How do I prepare my organization to really seize the space? Um, I think for HR, clearly it is going to be a huge skills upgrade and we've been talking about it quite some time but the good news for HR is that we we will leapfrog the need for uh, having very tactical sort of technology skills uh, there needs to be definitely a sophistication of uh, being able to review assess and evaluate the outcomes and the results that the technologies will produce Uh, but at the same time, critical thinking that we've been talking about for quite some time, scenario planning, ability to think forward rather than backward, I think that is going to be an absolute requirement for HR. You know, HR traditionally looked back at you know, best practices, uh, learning from others who have already done that. There's a lot of risk aversion. Um, that's been you know kind of what hr has been known for however i think right now you know being um visionary in a sense and understanding the implications and playing that chess game of what's going to happen with these machines with these technologies coming in how is it going to affect the populations of employees that you know the company is currently responsible for um, and who are producing the current value of the product and service and whatever the company is in the market for. I think that kind of strategic planning 
workforce, strategic workforce planning, um, ability to communicate based on uh, the data that, again, technology will help collect and analyze um, and help make decisions on behalf of humans is going to be absolutely critical. And NHI is uniquely positioned to be in that space. Um, but clearly, we need to bring those skills front and center rather than uh, reserve them for special situations when all of the transactional and compliance type of work is done. What kind of changes do you envision? I mean, like if, like if, as a bold, right, uh, a technology savvy HR leader, where where would you go? You know, let's um, let's take a, a use case here with uh, performance. You know, performance is kind of at the center of any organizational functioning, right? And this is performance is what people are being evaluated for. You know, be people are hired to perform. They're evaluated for the results, the outcomes of their performance, and they're being rewarded, compensated, and, and all of the benefits are provided based on their performance, including their career progression, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that the performance sits in the, at, at the heart of what organizational people management is all about. And if you think of the introduction of a smart, intelligent, artificial intelligent, artificial intelligent tools that do not require vacation, sick days, um, et cetera, and they're going to be available and supportive of the human performance um, in through the entire life cycle of that performance. So what are these machines be will be will be able to support us with. N number one is, you know, definitely in clarifying, help us clarify the goals, clarify outcomes, produce a number of scenarios by which those goals could be met. Um, and, you know, we will have to choose which way we're going to accomplish that. Um, so the, we required of management to um, do all of these things and ran into the capacity issue of a human being, you know, unable to both be a, a producer of their own work and uh, the coach for the entire team, um, no matter how many trainings we put humans through. Imagine that a lot of the basic foundational tasks of coaching for performance will be generated by this intelligent agent who is going to help set goals, make sure, be kind of an accountability coach, make sure that, you know, the goals are met by asking the right questions, um, et cetera, and, um, and uh, doing it all the time, 24-7, being able to, um, you know, adjust and um, um, adapt as the work product continues to evolve. Um, so what will then come to be evaluated as performance? Uh, lots of questions will arise from there. Number one, if you performed with the help of, a, uh, of an intelligent machine uh, who is getting 
you know, who is getting the rewards, right? How is it being accounted for? I think we still have a lot of questions around job sharing with an um, intelligent agent, right? Um, compensation, you know, how are we going to be distributing rewards? Um, most compensation philosophy in companies is centered around pay for performance. Um, so if performance, you know, uh, and we know from data right now that over 50% and even more employees are using these machines to get their jobs done. Uh, and the majority of them are not disclosing that fact that they're using the machines, but eventually they will be. So how is that performance being accounted for? Um, I think, I think this is where the qualitative and fundamental disruption that will need to happen around organizational processes, structures, and tools that um, are going to change the face both of HR and uh, the way work is being done in companies, in any organization for that matter. It has like a brave new world feel to it, right? There's all these things that, that this general purpose technology um, could probably uh, enable. Um, at the same time, it also feels like that the workplace was probably never in a worse place in terms of right, employee engagement, uh, in terms of burnout, rates of burnout. Right? right now we're seeing like the whole return to office battle play out. But it feels like that that like those tensions are, are are even stronger than maybe what they were like right five ten years ago. I mean, it, it can't be ignored. Yeah, I think we are in the transition period right now. I, I think we've been before the pandemic. We kind of celebrated stakeholder capitalism. You know, the uh, business roundtable came out. It was all about engagement, employee experience, and and we thought that this change will occur, um, that we are going to be looking at the environment, we're going to be looking at, you know, employees, employee um, uh, satisfaction and many different, from many different dimensions. And then the pandemic occurred. And I think that there was a big reevaluation uh, from the employee perspective of what of the purpose of why they're working. And obviously we had the great resignations, et cetera. So there've been these very frequent uh, swings um, in the sentiment um, in the workplace that was definitely defined by the external environment. And now we're sort of settling in into the post-pandemic uh, situation where you know, we're, we've done uh, experimenting with flexible schedule and realized that, yes, it may be the way of the future, but at this point, the pendulum swung sort of back um, with um, a lot of companies requiring uh, at least some number of days. And I'm familiar with quite a few that require five days a week back to the same schedule. So I think we're seeing the swings and I think the same we're going to see with AI right now, we are sort of infatuated with what it could do very soon. We are going to settle into the new normal 
with AI, and that's that's going to be the period of real adjustment, the real review, and we're beginning to enter that era right now uh, because it's been already a year since ChatGPT was out in the open and the technology is, is continuing. But I think that this next uh, phase is going to be about figuring out all of the details around how AI at first at the very basic level is going to help us, including the coaching, the um, digital assistance, including, you know, a lot of the software that's going to be built in into our regular devices before even organizations jump into um, into this uh, game. But um, we're going to see this in the consumer environment uh, changing the skills, changing the expectations, changing the perceptions, and then it will come in into the workplace. But it's an interesting period of transition where still a lot of questions are being asked, and it's a good place to be because right now we should be worrying about what questions we need to be asking rather than what answers do we have. The critical gap that I see is really the ability of managers to make such smart work design decisions. And I'm just wondering uh, what education leaders get to make smart, informed choices in this space. You know, this is where I sit in at the educational end of things, thinking about, you know, how do we prepare the next generation HR professionals who come to us? They're already in organizations. Most of our students are employed. And they come to us because they are worried and they're excited, most of them, about the potential and uh, for their jobs in HR, the future of HR. Um, and from the educational perspective, I think this is where I think we need to really invest in developing HR professionals to be thinkers and visionaries and innovators and entrepreneurs, those skills have not been the priority for most HR jobs. But right now, for example, in my own classes, I always start with uh, some primer in entrepreneurship, product development, um, understanding of scenario planning and strategy, um, the storytelling, ability to connect the dots of, from the data to the actual reality of the workplace and, um, and be able to think into the future. Um, again, this predictive capacity based on um, looking at patterns and data, rec recognizing you know, technological advancement, and even based on understanding of how it evolved before in history. Um, so I think all of that general knowledge then needs to be filtered into, so how do we do our jobs differently? Because I think that education for all is going to be really, really important, despite the fact that we are now really questioning the traditional model of higher ed that was very removed from the reality. I mean, we're in the professional education space and I think that's where we're connecting the right dots between 
the actual practical experience and the ability to think strategically. At the same time, apply those skills and test them out in real uh, workplace situations and then go back and uh, you know learn how to think differently, et cetera. Adjust your perceptions, adjust your concepts. Um, I think that iterative way of approaching any skill, any process, and even strategy is going to be absolutely critical. And a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of our colleagues who have been through the traditional HR um, pipeline um, have not been trained on this. So this is a priority for us um, right now, thinking out of the box rather than just copying and pasting into the right uh, boxes on the spreadsheet. I'm wondering if the HR function also at some point has to think about like how it's being structured and aligned. There is a huge difference between organizations that really understand HR and those uh, who, and it oftentimes sits with the senior management of their business management of their organization. Uh, because in organizations that value HR, you see very different caliber of people who are in the HR functions. You see a very, very strong analytical uh, component with people analytics teams. You see a, a different commitment to technology and innovation. Um, and, um, you know, and uh, a really inclusion of um, HR in the decision-making process about the business. And, and that is a differentiator, even at the business level. And some of the best examples of that, you know, uh, obviously we, we can go to technology companies like Microsoft, I think, is doing an exceptional job. I mean, everything they put out there to uh, their clients, uh, they test out internally uh, from the HR perspective. They're really innovative about their culture. And if you think about the types of talent and skills that they bring into their HR organization, they're very impressive. The other company I would point out so that we don't just go to technology all the time is Airbnb, even though it's a kind of a marketing and hospitality and travel company, it is a, uh, a very strong analytical and technology uh, focused company that if you have that comfort and expertise in technology and analytics, you can really focus on the human side. That's my theory of the case. If you are intimidated, if you are underinvested, you're going to not only lack that insight and knowledge, but you are also going to be very dependent on your vendors, very dependent on, um, you know, whoever is, you know, better at marketing their tools to you. There's going to be a cacophony of different solutions, technological and analytical solutions for you. And oftentimes that becomes on, you know, unproductive. And, and as a result, HR continues to carry that bad reputation because there's still a blind lead in the blind in terms of uh, people management and organizations. So I think the differentiator for most companies and those who are positioned the best for the future are those who have those expertise on their HR teams, have their senior HR leaders who embrace and understand the importance of 
investing their internal capabilities around those skills and uh, apply them in their day-to-day HR practice. I also know that you're working on a new book. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about uh, what the book is about and, uh, and, and when it's going to be available. Thank you so much for mentioning it. In summary, uh, the book is called Digital Coaching Revolution. And the whole idea there is very similar to what we've discussed, is about growing democratization and accessibility of such tools as coaching uh, at all levels in organizations and beyond. And it was an exploration that came out of the series of conferences that we started to do at NYU, bringing together the innovators in the space of coaching and technology. And what we found was that um, coaching has come out of the closet, in a sense, in leaving its, it still, you know, remains to be kind of a, an elite tool for grooming senior executives. That's kind of how it became associated and uh, launched in the latter part of the 20th century. However, if you think of the precedence of what we're seeing in the workplace right now, and we're looking at, and I specifically researched sports and uh, healthcare, uh, how coaching and technology has merged much earlier in sports. There's been huge investments, and we can't even think of any game or any performance, in a sense, at a senior level and even junior leagues and sports teams in um, in uh, schools etc without the technology that allows them to monitor how they perform monitor their uh, health etc etc and so the question then comes up what's the role of the human coach and what we are finding is that the human coach has not been outsourced altogether there is a role for a human coach to pe- to play in exactly that kind of strategic team building, et cetera, coming in, looking at all the data generated by the tools that the athletes have access to on their own, but then getting that to the next level of perfection with a uh, life coach. And it was very um, you know, eye-opening to me to think about how this particular model is going to translate into the performance in the workplace, where we are going to see the same, you know, level of information to individuals about their particular performance and goal achievement in the workplace. But will how will they translate it into the next level of innovation in their own performance, their next stretch goal, uh, their career plans, et cetera, et cetera. That's where, you know, the addition of the human coach will be, again, forward-looking, will be really, really critical. So in that book, we examine exactly how uh, this particular type of coaching going to be very much accepted and um, integrated into everything we do in organizations. And in addition to that, where we also saw um, democratization of coaching is 
coaching is going to be ubiquitous. It already is becoming so. Even if you want to be a uh, good gardener, you know, if you want to, if you encounter any challenges when it comes to, you know, your next Thanksgiving recipe, there will be available coach uh, that you can access through your tools uh, with the amount of information that will be delivered to the individual. And it's only at the level of interpretation that the coach will be engaged. Uh, but as far as the tools are concerned, the coach, coaches and um, artificially intelligent agents are already becoming an inseparable part of how we do work, how we play, how we relax and uh, enjoy leisure, and uh, they're going to be built into our devices and our homes are going to be smart um, with uh, all of the assistance that we need. I look forward to, to reading that book. I think that sounds really interesting. I'm also happy to hear that that you know there's still going to be real life coaches there. Marshall Goldsmith and and his colleagues are, are safe in their in their occupation at least for the for the time being. Yeah, and Marshall Goldsmith already created a bot for himself to kind of amplify what he does. But in, you know, building on that comparison with sports, I actually look at the case of Ted Lasso and uh, thinking about that particular you know, serious and how, you know, the human coach still holds this, you know, the, the reins of, uh, of the team. And as humans, we have a lot more fascination with that type of coach who is compassionate, empathetic, fun, and is really able to bring the team together. So the machines are coming, but, but they're not yet right, taking over completely. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Thomas. It was a pleasure. We hope you enjoyed this discussion. If you did, be sure to subscribe, like, share, or comment. Until next time, let's make work matter.